Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. On today's episode, you will hear Joseph Michelli, a highly sought after keynote customer experience speaker, Wall Street Journal and New York Times bestselling author, who's written 10 business books, talk about how to succeed through human experiences. To say he's an expert is an understatement. Joseph has worked with some of the best in class customer centric brands like the Ritz Carlton Hotel Company, Starbucks, Mercedes Benz, Airbnb, Zappos, and more. I love this episode because he shares actionable tactics from working with these companies and reputable leaders that you can replicate and position your brand to win in changing times. You can get stronger despite adversity, and he tells you exactly how. Before we begin the interview, I have one request. Please share this episode with others and subscribe to Doing CX Right podcast on your favorite channels, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and more. It would mean a lot. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Joseph Michelli. Welcome to the Doing CX Right show. Awesome to be here, Stacey. Thanks for having me. So I know who you are, but tell the audience, what do you do? Who are you? I'm one of those lucky people who gets to do what you do, Stacey. We get to help brands elevate the experiences they deliver to the people they serve inside the business and through those people outside the business. I'm glad you said the inside because people don't really fully understand that and how important it is. So we'll, we'll dive into that. What is your why? Why do you care so much about this? I don't know if it's spiritually driven or my parents just beat it into me. And one of those things had to happen. But in the end of the day, I have the simple belief that we're all here on this planet to serve one another. And, and that opportunity that we get to do that is the measure of our life. And when you talk about serve each other, I think that's also why CX leaders customer experience focused people are the nicest people you'll ever met. I think maybe that's why. Yeah, though I I hope that most of us have an understanding of the difference between being servants and being service professionals. And so, you know, my goal is to be able to set boundaries and limits and not self-sacrifice, but in the process of creating value for other people to have my life enriched. And so, yeah, I think I think that a lot of them are just so amazing because they get that idea that it's about having good, healthy boundaries and self-care and being able to do great things for others. And also help others understand that they have a CX job, whether they realize it or not. Oh, amen and hallelujah, sister. I mean, seriously, yeah. I mean, this this is not for the CX department. It's not for the, you know, the chief experience officer. This is a Everybody is in the experience business. We're all in the people business, no matter whether we're, we're managing spreadsheets or not. We're, we're all trying to create value for others. And it's through others that we, we are employed, I think. What's one fun fact that people may not know about you? Wow. I think uh, with the internet, it's pretty hard to have anything hidden for very long. But I guess if there is a a fun fact is that I am the happiest grandfather in the planet and I get to go see 
Penelope and Lucy, two of my most recent grandgirls, uh, just this upcoming week. So I, I'm a happy granddad. Oh, that's special. Well, thank you for sharing that because, you know, it's the personal side and the professional. We're all one, one human being. So it goes with us and good to hear that. Yeah, I think the more healthy we are, right? Like we're, yeah. we're the same people at work as we are in our real life. Yes, uh, and authenticity, big, that's a big deal. So let's get to the meat of this here. First of all, this is the Doing CX Right show, Doing Customer Experience Right. What does that mean to you? Well, I have been in this business so long that we didn't even use the word customer experience. We called it customer service. I worked in a healthcare program right after getting my PhD. And so, you know, we were literally writing scripts on how nurses and doctors should interact with patients. I mean, totally scripted customer service. So customer experience is a very different breed of cat from those ancient days. It really is this total mindset around every interaction point with a customer and how we drive not only operational excellence in terms of the transactional elements of service, but how do we engage them and envelop them in an experience that's rich with what they think, feel, do, want, uh, all elements of the experiential offering. I'm glad you brought up that customer service terminology because people do confuse customer service with customer experience, with customer success, with customer, and they're all different. So I'm glad you brought that up because customer service is forever known in terms of getting help, but it's really bigger than that. Yeah, and I think even that that phenomenon of customer service, which is often the non, non-value creating part of the experience from a brand perspective, right? Like I would provide service after I already got your money and it was a cost center for me. Even that has changed. You know, I worked with Tony Shea for a long time, God rest his soul, um, brilliant genius man who's kind of perished last year. But um, Tony was always kind of the first to say, even that opportunity to provide service after the sale, that is really one of the greatest places for us to build relationships with customers. And he renamed the customer service department to the customer loyalty team. And, and for me, we're all trying to drive customer success. That should be the goal of every single touch point. Uh, we should provide a great sales experience, a great service experience along that journey to customer success. So for me, customer experience is the design strategy that I try to help brands use, for example, to deliver customer success through all phases of the customer journey, whether that's sales or traditional service. So let's dive a little bit into that. You've written a couple books. And one in particular, I really like how you talk about different brands that have done so much right and your own critique. Can you share a couple of those brands, what you've observed, and especially what are some actions that listeners, whether they're an entrepreneur or head of a big organization, what can they learn? What can they do? So, you know, I've been blessed now with 10 books, thanks to McGraw-Hill putting me out there as a lead author for them. So 10 books now about customer-centric businesses. And, you know, take a, a business like Mercedes-Benz, for example, that I've written about it. This is a brand that was operationally excellent, had great products, but their experience did not live up to their products. You know, they would go out to market with a best or nothing slogan, but they were 22nd on the J.D. Power Customer Satisfaction Index. So clearly they may have had 
really quality engineered products, but they hadn't engineered a customer experience commensurate with the product delivery. So, you know, you look at a brand like that and to make a transformation over a three or four year period. So they're moving up in terms of the satisfaction and the engagement of customers really required them to focus on four things. And at the, at the getting CX right level, it was listening, empathizing, adding value and delighting. And so the acronym, if you take the first letters of all that is to lead. So they led customer experience by listening, empathizing, adding value and delighting. And, and fundamentally, listening is a lot harder than people think. Uh, we've been doing it our whole lives, but most of us don't do it that well. We interrupt, we interject, we come up with solutions before we've heard people out. We don't really clarify our understanding and closed loop feedback what right. made ways. So the basics of it was getting back to people and saying, I don't care how good you think you are at listening. We're going to go back to the basics of listening and we're going to really practice and strengthen those skills. And then just because I understand doesn't mean that I feel where you're coming from. I don't step into your shoes from the the word roots of the word empathy, right? I don't feel into your experience. And so teaching people how to hypothesize about the feeling states of others mm -hmm. and to check in with others about the accuracy or in inaccuracy of their hypothesis. That's really been fundamental to moving that brand forward, along with commitments to add value at every touch point. And then finally, the willingness to do that one plus thing, as, as Disney folk, folks say, that one thing beyond the expected that turns something from ordinary into magical. What about Starbucks? What's your ah. perspective? Well, I've been, I was so blessed. I got to work with the great Howard Schultz in the heydays of Starbucks, wrote two books about him now in my career. And, and what I can tell you at the most fundamental level is this is a man who walked to the talk, who had vision that we are in the people business. I, you know, I remember vividly one time talking to him and said, you know, it's got to be great to be in the coffee business at this time. And he just stopped me and said, no, Joseph, we're in the people business, serving coffee, not in the coffee business, serving people. And, and it was so powerful. And I, I saw that in the way he would do his walkabout leadership and go out and acknowledge people. I know you're really big into recognition and acknowledgement. And he was just the king of leaving his desk and walking over to someone and saying, thanks for putting that extra effort in. And taking care of our customer in this way or another. And, you know, I think that's at the root of fundamentals of CX is as a leader, being a servant leader so that you communicate th through your actions the importance of creating value for others. I'd like to add to this Starbucks story because I talk a lot about it and, and I do believe any company can replicate in, let's call it onboarding, the minute I walk into the store, I feel good. I feel the environment. I feel people say hello to me, especially in my local store. They know my name. And the best part, after onboarding, after I order, they, if there's a mistake, no questions asked. How can we make it better? And, and everything from, from when you get it to you leave, the app experience from end to end, it is best in class. So I had to just add to what you said. I really believe they, they've got it going on. Stacey, one of my favorite stories is, and I think I told it in uh, leading the Starbucks way, but, but it's about a guy who was pranking Starbucks and he loves to go into brands and really, you know, you know mess with them. And so he went into Starbucks, got his, his drink. He brought it into his garage, let it sit in his garage, this milk-based drink 
for like a week and a half. The cup was deteriorating. It was just a, a, a you know, lab experiment happening in his garage. And he brings it back in and he says, I understand you will take back product if it's not satisfactory to the customer. This is not satisfactory. And literally, you know, staff was holding their nose and he had a reaching out, taking this thing out into the trash and they made him a new drink. And, and I think, you know, people can say, well, that's really stupid. Who does business like that? And it's not about that customer per se, but it's about a policy that assumes the best in other human beings and stands behind promises it makes to customers, even when the backside of that promise is sometimes hard to deliver again. So I love your, your mindset on this. And I think from onboarding all the way through, it is certainly in the purview of Starbucks leaders to try to inculcate that. It doesn't happen every single customer, every single time. It's a big operation, but overall, they do a, a better job than some of the other competitors in the quick service restaurant space. Yes. Who else do you feel is doing it right that we can learn from? You know, I'll tell you, this is an odd one, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, I wrote a book about Airbnb right before the pandemic. And what was surprising to me about that is the commitment to belonging. When you said that onboarding experience, you know, Airbnb really tries to encourage the host community to create belonging. That's what the little symbol that looks like a, a paper clip is actually called the Balo. And it really is this message that above all else, this brand is going to stand for an experience that creates belonging. And any person anywhere should feel like they belong wherever they find themselves. Now, it doesn't always happen in every deliverable, but I love a passionate, clearly defined true north of what you want your brand experience to be. And particularly challenging in an environment where you don't control the people who provide the experience. You don't, you're just a marketplace. You don't control the hosts. You just try to influence them to deliver a, to deliver a branded experience when people book on Airbnb. That's really powerful, especially at a time where in life we're very focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that ties very nicely into what their mission is. And I love, I know you have such a passion for it. You've spent a lot of time studying diversity and inclusion. Um, for me, it's really interesting how it's critical to what I do every day as a consultant now, you know, really trying to measure how diverse is your, your employment experience, how diverse is your customer base, you know, how are you making decisions uh, that are inclusive? And these are really behavioral decisions that cause inclusivity to be real so that you can deliver what is the emotional throughput, right? And that's belonging. Um, so any regard, I think it is the, the meat and potatoes of CX and certainly where we should be moving as a society when we think about customer experiences. Yes. Now, Let's talk about employee experience because I know that is passion for you as well. Why is it so important? I mean, it, it sounds so basic, but not everybody applies those best practices. You know, I had such a learning. I had come out of graduate school and I was working with Johnny Yokoyama, who was the owner of the Pike Place Fish Market in Seattle, Washington. And Johnny, Johnny had come from a time when his father's business had been taken away from them uh, after World War II because they were Japanese Americans. He was a very bitter guy and he didn't treat his employees particularly well. And when Johnny used to be very proud of being able to yell at his team members if they didn't perform to the point where they would leave on their first day of employment, he was that tough if they couldn't handle it. And over time, he changed really. And he realized that fish stink from the head and he was the head of the organization and he needed to get his act together and he needed to treat people better. 
he could not be a more engaging, empowering, loving human being on the planet than Johnny Yokoyama is. And even when his company was up for sale, instead of selling it to the highest bidder, he handed it over to his employees in a very uh, comfortable deal for them to continue on um, his retirement. My message here is that that little fish market, 1,400 square feet of retail space in Seattle, is well known for the experiences it creates. And it would not be able to differentiate itself from the other four fish markets a block away, let alone be the only recognizable fish market brand of its size in the world had it not been for his empowerment of his people. It, you know, we wrote about it in a book Johnny and I wrote called When Fish Fly. And I think anything's possible if you empower your people. For them, fish fly off the shelves at the Pike Place Fish Market. They throw fish back and forth. But most importantly, they've created a brand without a budget for marketing that is well-known around the world thanks to books about them and training videos like Fish, for example. Mm. Right now, we're going through what they're calling the Great Resignation. I'm seeing it everywhere. It's, it's, I've never seen anything like it. Why do you think this is happening? What's your speculation? Because we're talking about employee experience so that there's definitely a link there. Yeah, I was uh, in, in 2020 when the pandemic hit, I had to go off a book project that I was working on for Godiva Chocolate uh, for obvious reasons. We couldn't keep moving on that book. But instead, I wrote a book called Stronger Through Adversity. And that book was based on 140 interviews with leaders from around the globe. Um, some from your, your background, Hans Vestberg, for example, the CEO of Verizon, uh, was kind enough to be included in the book and presidents of Microsoft and the like. What I really saw when I talked to these leaders about the future of employment and the future of customer experience was that we are going to be hitting a big reset. I think we're feeling some of that reset. And the reset is what I call a purposeful reset. People are now asking themselves, is there, is it, is there purpose in me, you know, continuing my monthly subscription of Netflix or not? Is there purpose in me working for this employer that seems to care less about my health and well-being, uh, treats me as a resource, not as a person? Uh, or not? Is it is there purpose in living in New Jersey or Tampa, Florida? I, let me think about where my sense of purpose lives. And um, I think, you know, organizations now have to follow the guidance of Daniel Pink. We need to focus on mastery, autonomy, and purpose. And a lot of that autonomy lives in, you know, hybrid work environments or virtual work. But a lot of it is just being able to have some control over the way work gets done. Um, so I think brands that are creating employee experiences that enhance their mastery, stretch them, push them, cause them to grow, get them excited about the world that they're, they're making a difference in, give them some autonomy, some freedom on how they go about executing the job. I don't have to sit next to you in a cubicle in order to perform my function. And then finally, purpose. You know, why, sure. what are you trying to do in your work and how does my personal purpose align with that? And if we have alignment, we're going to do great things together. There's a lot of, I wouldn't call it debate or controversy, but something along those lines around people lead bosses. What's your view on that statement? Yeah, people hire, hire to brands and leave bosses, right? Like that's the notion. I think, you know, building a brand equity, being an employer of choice, being known for being an organization like that does attract people. So you really want to do all the right things by way of people for people to consider you among two equal opportunities. But I do think ultimately your day-to-day -day life with an, a, a boss, particularly if you can't 
work past those issues in an organization is enough for people to leave. Uh, life is too short to be miserable. And I think a lot of people are realizing that, that they don't need to hang out with a miserable boss, even if the employer is known to be a great place to work. Yes, I have to share a pet peeve. I think companies are starting to get really good at onboarding. But through my career, outboarding, exit interviews, not so good. And also not so good in closing the loop the way we do pretty well with customers. We're not doing it well enough for in employees. What's your view? Again, I think you're spot on. And, you know, so I've spent my career doing the technologies of CX, right? Like customer journey maps, a common technology. We look at the customer journey end to end. We may look at deep dives and various touch points. And I've started to do more and more of that in the employee experience too. And without a question, what you just said is so true. Employees tend to be in that honeymoon period. People spend lots of time trying to attract new, you know, new hires. So they're throwing the kitchen sink at them in terms of love, right? They love all over them. But then at some point in their journey, they don't put as much energy and time into them. It's probably true for all relationships we really try to court and then we may take for granted. Brands that do take for granted get divorced by their customers and their customers are their employees. Um, and they, when they get divorced, it's often ugly and there isn't a lot of effort to try to understand how it went south and how to even neutralize some of that hostility so those people come back. Um, you know, I, I love, I'll go back to Zappos, you know, the whole notion of being able to give people $2,000 after a long cultural inculturation uh, component is to say, look, take the money and run. You know, if this doesn't fit for you, just take two grand and find your way to your next employment. I want you to have that. I don't want you to stay here. I don't want money to be the reason you become toxic to our culture as a misfit. And really what's beautiful is not only that happened, but then people really realize, hey, maybe I should go back if and when the time is right. Not because I want another two grand, but maybe they were more right for me than I thought because they cared enough to make sure that I wasn't in a place that didn't fit me. What's mind-boggling to me is that Companies, when they don't do exit interviews and they don't take the time to show care on the way out, forget that those employees may also be customers. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you know, I've, the whole phraseology of customer experience or employee experience has kind of passed me by. I talk a lot about human experience today because I think we just put labels on people based on where they sit. Airbnb is my favorite example. On any given day, I could be an Airbnb host Right, I could have you staying in my in my my resort area, uh, and then the next day I could be a guest, right? And then the but all the time I'm an employee of Airbnb. Um, so really, these terms are just crazy making to me. We are people serving people, uh, and sometimes we're serving people inside of our business. Sometimes we're serving people outside of our business. And if we treat the people inside of our business badly, they're certainly not going to want to come back and be customers. There and even Henry, you know, Henry Ford was great about saying, "I got to pay my people well, or else they're not going to be able to buy my cars." Right, and so he jumped their wage up inordinately in one single decision. That's so well said. Now we talked about people. We have to also speak of technology because it's around us, whether we want it or not, and technology can enhance customer experiences. 
And when you talk about Airbnb as an example, the people obviously make or break the experience, but we also know that if the app is not easy to book, you're going to go to a competitor. Yeah, and you know, and I got into this even more in Starbucks because you use Starbucks as an example, you know, in working with Starbucks, this should be just people to people, coffee house experience, right? But truly technology is an enabler. I think we live in a time where we need to be technology aided human powered in delivering human in delivering customer experience. And and if you look at it, you know, and Starbucks was testing in New York City before the pandemic stores that were mobile only. So what that meant was because they've advanced the technology so well on their app to be able to more mobile order, uh, that they were going to have these cafes where you could come in. You could never buy coffee in the this, this Starbucks. You had to have purchased it on your mobile device and come in to pick it up. But they still were looking for a human to do the handoff, right? They didn't design an experience where a robot gave you the cup of coffee at the end of the day. I think that's really where brands need to be finding themselves. What are all those... And I know you've had Shep on, and Shep has written the ultimate book in, on the convenience revolution. And, you know, anything that we can make convenient for customers through technology, give them the choice to opt to technology. But let's also make sure we have people positioned at very important times during that journey, because there are some people who are never going to use the technology, no matter what. Um, but I think even people who are maybe a little reluctant to use some technologies will test it. And if it works for them, they find value in it, they'll use it. Yeah. But they're still going to want people at certain moments in their journey. Yes. So brand leaders need to be very intentional how they balance the technology and the human elements. And we, you know, most of the companies I work with, what we do is we decide a pure, complete technology journey. Nobody ever uses a complete technology journey, no humans, though there are some people I think really would prefer that. And during the pandemic, we, we got pretty darn close. Um, then we also tend to devise these high-touch journeys. And then we realize that in certain moments of truth, people should have the choice sure. between to opt human or opt technology. Um, and that really has been the formula that seems to work for the brands that have been sailing through this time. That one word you just said, choice. We got to say it again, choice. Because choice matters on experiences for all humans, as you say. I think about choice, the ability to work hybrid from an office and from home, the ability to have choice whether I want to pick up the phone and call an 800 number or go online and easily find what I'm looking for on the website. I mean, just choice really, I think, is the, is the sweet spot. And it has to be operationally doable, right? I mean, we can get to a point where we give people so many choices, we can't operate <laughs> against all those choices. Yeah. And so now we've created a bunch of false choice. So to be operationally excellent means limiting the amount of choices to what you can manage, but also not making it a one size fits all. Because I've really come to believe that one size fits one person, right? It, it doesn't fit everyone. And, you know, customers come in multi-sizes. I mean, every single customer is different. And yet we have to be able to manage our business. So normally yeah. we're looking at a few key customer personas and delivering yes. against those personas with choice for each. And so to me, business is complicated enough. Let's make it rich with choice, but not so rich with choice that we can't function. Really good point. So I want to get to the last final questions. We're running out of time, unfortunately, because I could go on and on with you here. If I had... Tons of CEOs and entrepreneurs and leaders in my room. 
What's the one or two things you want them to take away? I think very simply, they are the catalyst for the experience of the organization. Uh, and they are going to leave impact, massive impact on the universe. So why not define the impact they want to leave? And almost every one of them is going to want to be known for something more than a spreadsheet and financial performance. They're going to want to be known for making a difference in human lives. Uh, sometimes the scorecard's reflected in part by the financial performance, but really most people are going to want to have thought that they spent their life meaningfully helping other people have a better life. Um, you know, I, I think that Richard Branson said that business is just uh, a, a formula for being able to assist other people. Uh, for me, why not define what you want your lasting impact to be? Articulate it, publish it with somebody you love, and then hold yourself accountable to deliver against that. If you do that, you're going to lead customer experience transformation in your organization because very few people are going to be satisfied with just moving numbers. They're going to want to be touching hearts, touching lives, making a difference. And so if you declare what that looks like for you, uh, hold yourself accountable with an accountability partner, you're going to drive CX change in your organization. Beautifully said. And my last question, if you could go back in time to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell your younger, younger Joseph that you, you didn't know, I was know ready then? For, I was yeah. ready for this question because I, you know, I stalk you online. <laughs> um, so the answer to that question is very simple, and that is, Joseph, you think you need to know it all. You think you need to do it all. You think you need to be smart and act smart. And in reality, people aren't looking for perfect people. They're just looking for people with really good intentions who work hard to do good for others. And people forgive you a lot if you just come from your intention and stop getting into your head and stop worrying about what people think. I'm going to definitely remind my kids and everyone I know of that because it is really so important, those lessons. Where can people find you? Because I know they're going to want to. Wow, boy, if you can't find me on the internet, I've done something horridly wrong. Uh, it, you know, it's Joseph uh, and it's Michelli, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-I.com. You can find me at my website. My Twitter handle's Joseph Michelli. Uh, LinkedIn, just there. I'd love to have you connect on LinkedIn. So um, always a pleasure. Stacey, we're going to flip the switch on this next time and I'll have you on my podcast because you are a mover shaker. You're changing our industry, you bring great energy to the field. Your vision of inclusiveness and the human experience is very rich. And everyone who's listening to this podcast, stay with this woman. She's going to take you a long way in, this, in the basics of CX. Oh, thank you so much. You've made my day. Take care. Thanks, Stacey. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.